I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Remember, we were shipwrecked together. Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. My co-host is Jim DeRigatis. And if you want to be the first to hear our bonus podcast, become a Sound Opinions member on Patreon. Like Paul McCarthy, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Listening to the show and uh, chipping in with some uh, much appreciated funds. Thank you for your support, Paul. We really appreciate it. We have so much music to get to every week. We can't possibly cram it all into the regular show, hence the bonus podcast. Jim, what are you going to play for us this week? Greg, I am going to play a rather obscure track by a, uh, a rather obscure British band. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. But anyway, I'll enlighten you. All right, we're going to hear more about that in a minute on Sound Opinions. We're back, Jim. What songs are you going to add to the Desert Island Jukebox today? I believe you do know the Beatles band. I've heard of them. (laughs) Yes. Faintly rings a bell. When we have talked in recent years about Get Back, the epic documentary uh, about the making of the album that broke up the Beatles, when we've talked about the endless, ever-pricier reissues and box sets and remixes and reimaginings of the Beatles catalog, we have often made the observation, why haven't they given us Revolver? The very best, in my opinion, album in the Beatles catalog. I know it's up in your top two or three as well. All real Beatles fans say, you know, Revolver is the one, right? So just in time for the holidays last year, we got the uh, epic Beatles box set for Revolver. Mm-hmm. The new uh, Giles Martin stereo mix of the album, newly beautifully pressed mono mix. You know, I put it on my Christmas list and Santa Claus, aka Carmel, got me the box, right? Now, I've always scoffed at, you know, you got you got the album in one great format. Uh, that's all you need, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know. I lusted after this. I've got the cover of Revolver tattooed on my right arm, okay? I got it for Christmas. Beautiful hardcover book. Incredible photographs. What's amazing about the photographs of the Beatles in the studio during the making of Revolver is they are clearly stoned out of their gourds, (laughs) right? There's not a single picture without pinned eyeballs of any of the four, right? You know, there is no video. They say definitively in the book, because you and I have griped for a long time, I don't want to see the making of Let It Be. I want to see the making of Revolver. There's no video Mm -hmm. in the studio, right? There are these great photographs. There are lots of wonderful stories. And there are many alternate takes of these songs in development where, you know, for the first time after touring for years and with unlimited time and freedom in the recording studio at Abbey Road with George Martin to follow ideas and pursue uh, loose strains they never would have had time for before, even in the making of Rubber Soul. You know, you hear them say, let's do a Motown ditty, <laughs> right? And then it goes through many iterations. Do the songs work? Do the, uh, do the horns work? Do they not work? And suddenly got to get you into my life, which is McCartney saying how much he 
missed never having marijuana in his life and how much he was enjoying it now. Mm. A really slow and even creepier and more psychedelic tomorrow never knows. Yellow Submarine starting as this sad, you know, John Lennon crying in his tea about, you know, lonely me I grew up with, <laughs> yeah. without a real mom. But the song I'm going to really uh, highlight wasn't even on Revolver. Mm. I made the point way back in episode 117. This, uh, we just taped eight. 94. Uh, this is 2008. We did a Revolver classic album dissection. Released shortly after the album itself was the incredible double A side single, Paperback Writer, mm-hmm. which was in many ways inspired by the Beach Boys. You hear the inspirations much more in the early takes. McCartney is trying to do a Marianne Faithful song, and that becomes for no one. <laughs> okay. Right. You know, you, you hear the inspirations loud and clear. Where Rain come from comes from, though, I don't know. You know, Paperback Writer's clearly Beach Boys. Rain is from Mars. <laughs> they recorded it at, at double the temp. Much faster, which is amazing because Ringo has always said it is the drum performance he is proudest of. It is incredibly intricate, essentially a nonstop fill throughout Mm. the song, but always propulsive and never indulgent. It ain't Keith Moon, it's Ringo. McCartney backing him up on bass, incredibly harmonic. So this double speed version is slowed down at half the speed, becomes even more psychedelic. And, you know, this sent me back down the black hole that I haven't been in since uh, Kaleidoscope Eyes, my first book, The History of Psychedelic Rock, a.k.a. Turn On Your Mind, came out two different times. You know, I had read, and now I cannot remember where I read, because being a only amateur academic, I did not footnote this, that Lennon was inspired in the lyrics of Rain uh, by his reading of philosopher Alan Watts. Alan Watts was this fascinating character who was uh, uh, an English writer, speaker, self-styled, uh, psychedelic, philosophical entertainer who would uh, translate popularize the ideas of Japanese, Chinese, Indian religions and traditions into, you know, 60s stoner garb, (laughs) right? We know that Lennon read and uh, devoured the psychedelic experience, Timothy Leary's rewriting of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and that's Mm -hmm. where Tomorrow Never Knows came from. But Rain... I've always believed, and I don't know where I got this, wound up having me read a lot of Alan Watts. Uh, Alan Watts' lectures from the 60s used to be broadcast like Sunday nights at midnight on WFMU, mm-hmm. uh, the famous freeform radio station in Jersey. So I'd, I'd hear Alan Watts talking, and ooh, what is this about? There's a quote. The sound of the rain needs no translation. In music, one doesn't make the end of the composition, the point of the composition. That seems very much to uh, uh, be part of the single rain, part of what the Beatles were experiencing in their psychedelic explorations during the making of Revolver, part of this incredible song. I I just love this song to pieces. And you know, this is one that like the deep Beatles fans know. Yeah. But you you ain't hearing this on Beatles Breakfast on (laughs) FM radio every Sunday morning, right? Mm -hmm. You you just don't, you just like you never hear tomorrow never knows. So uh, what the heck, Uh, we don't always have to be obscure when we do one of these uh, Desert Island. Now now you might ask me, is it worth the $17,000 to buy this uh, new box set? (laughs) I don't know. 
I got it as a Christmas present. I'm glad I had it. I uh, I bought it with my own cash Did you, money. With your cash yeah, money? Yeah, I go, I, had, I have to have this. But you know, we're never going to listen. Having listened <laughs> once to the alternate takes and the in-studio chatter and all that, are you ever going to listen to those again? Well, you know, I'm glad it's there, but you're right. You're not going to go I, back. I it's just like once. with the Pet Sounds box. You're not right. going to listen to Brian instructing the musicians no, over No, the barbershop quartet harmonies they're but rehearsing. But I, I did want to see how the songs were evolving, and yeah. that's what you're you're getting to. Yes, uh, is yes. Is that the idea that you're hearing what, how their brains are moving during this period. Well, you know? And, and, you know, it is reassuring. These guys having been etched in stone on the face of Mount Rockmore, as you and I said yeah. in our book, The Beatles versus <laughs> the Stones, right? You know. They're gods. They're no longer mere musicians. Some of those early versions are incredibly awful. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. You, know, you, I mean, you hear it, it, a garage band making horrible mistakes and laughing at each other. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it shows the humanity of them. They're, it they're, does. They're, you know, it, it takes, it, the process is fascinating to see. They start from nothing and they turn it into a masterpiece. At least once. Know? But now, you know, they could have had a smaller box with the book. Mm. Now, and the reason, uh, Rain, right, they have a reproduction of the original Rain paperback writer single, Mm -hmm. which is really nice to have. Yeah, yeah. Really nice to have on vinyl. Then they have the vinyl uh, versions, uh, both mono and stereo, right? Okay, great. That could have been the entire box set. And they could have, as a bonus, given us a stream, you know, one or two times, stream all the extra stuff. Right. Because that's all you need to hear it for. Mm -hmm. You know, once. Right. Once or twice, and you're done. Unless you're writing a book about the Beatles. (laughs) And then why none of my Beatles books? I'm hauling 20 of them off the shelf. Where I got the Alan Watts thing. It might not even be true, but you know, Watts was a big believer of the psychedelic experience makes the ephemera of life a rainstorm, mm-hmm. a gust of wind, the sun mm-hmm. dawning or setting, an almost religious and profound experience. Mm-hmm. And that's what the song is about. Right. So if John Lennon actually didn't read Alan Watts, although it's hard to believe he, he didn't, I hear Alan Watts and hey, what the heck? We can't <laughs> ask John. I'm saying Alan Watts inspired rain by the Beatles. Here it is. And so, Rain by the Beatles, we just said things that no doubt uh, 17,000, same cost of the box set, uh, Beatles fans will correct us on. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. We love it. You you almost don't want to talk about the Beatles anymore, because such is the cultism of of the many legions of... The minutia. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Mark Lewison being, you know, first and foremost, we'll we'll call Mark up and say, hey, Mark, what did we get wrong? Yeah, I don't know. We've talked to him. We've talked to Jeff Emmerich, the engineer in those sessions. Absolutely. And, And hey, we're still, I mean, it still makes me a fan. I still have the same thrill when I hear Revolver as I did the very first time. That's rare. That's rare. A lot of Beatles I never need to hear again. Well, it's one of those albums uh, from the 60s. I hate to talk like this the 60s, to the kids both out the there. The V and the S capitalized. Because it's 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 easy to, to loathe baby boomer culture and, and the 60s, et cetera, yeah. and I get that. But man, you put this album on and it, it still sounds of its time, but also 
of this time as well. Yeah, it still sounds futuristic. Sounds relevant. Well, you know, this is bad dad confession. Uh, When Melody was a kid, I don't know, five or six, right? She discovered a Beatles song, you know, and uh, oh, I like this band, right? So, evil dad place tomorrow never know and she cried she cried but you know Get part it of the dead make oh, it stop what is this? oh my god right but part of the you know that and that's the side of the beatles you don't hear enough of that power that mystery that that awe you know has all been robbed from us by the over familiarity yeah and certain songs are overly familiar too familiar but uh, a song but like rain, rain. yeah <laughs> that is it for this bonus episode of sound opinions to support sound opinions become a member on patreon and connect with other listeners in our facebook group as always sound opinions is produced by andrew gill alex claiborne our associate producer sol delgadillo and our intern lauren holt our social media consultant is katie cott thanks for listening